called me. I, he had he had Brother Reisinger's phone, and he called me, and I saw when it came up, it said Stanley Reisinger. And uh, I answered, hello? Of course, Pastor Murray was always Brother Clint. And he had lost his phone. There, we're not going to talk about that. They found it, though. But he, you should have heard what was going on in that car. It sounded like a couple of teenage couples that were just going crazy, laughing, having a good time. I tell you what, that sounded that sounded sweet to my ears. They were laughing, giddy. So we pray, obviously, that this time will give them the opportunity to unwind and get joy and, you know, rejuvenate. And it sounds like it's working. Make me be like Brother Reisinger and say, well, you pull a rabbit out of a hat. <laughs> Tell you what, it's been a long time since I heard that man's voice, and boy, that was sweet Sunday to hear Evangelist Stanley Reisinger one more time bring the word. It's amazing. He did a phenomenal job. Thankful for what he had to say, the message that he brought forth. I look forward to many more messages from you. And thankfully, there'll be another one this coming up Sunday. And so make sure that you're here. Do not not be here. Well, okay. I'll get into it. Book of Acts, chapter 2. Beginning at verse 1. Now, I do want to say this. Uh, I know I've jested a little bit up here. Just trying to loosen everybody up. Everybody seems so, so tense and so rigid. I'm not, I'm not sure why. I know everybody's tired. I know you're ready to fulfill your need and borderline obligation to be at church, and you're ready to go home. I understand that, and we're going to do everything in our power to get y'all out of here early, so y'all pray for me that that's able to happen, but through all the jesting, I, I want to say I, I, feel, I feel something that's going to try to encourage everybody. And so, if you're a little discouraged, then I want to try to help you and bring you up out of that discouragement. And so, the book of Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, and maybe everybody can quote it. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I would like to bring your attention to verse 2 again. And suddenly 
there came a sound from heaven. It happened all of a sudden. And so just for a little while today, I want to preach to you this question. Will you be there? Will you be there? Now, before you're seated, I want you to reach over to someone, shake their hand, look them straight in the eye, and say, get with the preacher. Do not fall asleep. I'm not done. I'm not done. Do not fall asleep. All right. If you promise that, then you may be seated. Will you be there? There are times in our lives that we are privileged to experience what we call monumental moments. A, moment, a monumental moment is a moment that is of great significance or lasting importance. For example, a monumental moment in your life could be a marriage or the birth of a child or a new job. Perhaps a new friendship, new experiences, or passion, or something along those lines. It's an experience, a moment that makes an indelible impression in your mind to where it is difficult to ever forget it. Those moments. We've all had those monumental moments in our lives where we experience great exuberance and great joy and excitement because of where we are and what we're able to experience. It's a monumental moment. Now, there could be monumental moments in our lives that are not so pleasant. A few weeks ago, around our anniversary, my wife and I decided that we were going to go out of town, and we went to Pigeon Forge. And for some reason, I have no idea why, I thought it was a good idea to get on the Ferris wheel in Pigeon Forge. I'm not going to tell you what all transpired that day. However, I will tell you that when my wife and I both uh, got off of that Ferris wheel, we decided that that was the wrong decision that we could have made. And, of course, it was all my fault because she said, I was just trying to, to do this for you. And all the time I was wondering why in the world I was even trying to do this for me because I was scared to death. Normally, I haven't ever been scared of heights, but when you get, I don't know how high that thing is, but when you get up there and that doohickey that you're in is rocking back and forth, I'm telling you what, I was like a cat grabbing a hold of the couch. I was trying to grab a hold of that thing, and thank God we had good air conditioning because I would have passed out. And so, that was a monumental moment in my life and in the life of my wife and we decided that day we'll never do that again. And I promise you, that will never happen. If you go to Pigeon Forge and you are in trouble and you are in the top of that Ferris wheel, I am not coming to get you. You better pray. And you better pray hard. Now, sometimes these monumental moments are positive. Most of them are. Sometimes they're not so positive. Sometimes we have a moment in our life that it brings the wrong emotion, sadness, or unhappiness, or whatever kind of emotion it brings, yet it's still a monumental moment. It helps you to remember. And sometimes I know those moments 
we would love to forget. There are those monumental moments in our lives that we would absolutely love to forget. But those monumental moments are there to, for a reason, and that is to help you to remember. Now, it is not necessarily our responsibility to create a monumental moment. It is God that decides when it happens. We just have have the responsibility of simply being there. When God decides to divvy out these monumental moments, our job and our responsibility is simply just to be there. So let's talk about a few monumental moments. In the book of Exodus, chapter 33, starting at verse 7. Now, as I read through this scripture, I want you to picture this in your mind's eye. Use that God-given imagination to try to, to look into, the, into your mind to, to see the picture of what this happens. This is a beautiful, beautiful transpiration in the Bible. 33 and 7, And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up. So Moses is going to the tabernacle, and everybody stands up. And they stand up at their tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. Now use your imagination. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh to his friend. You talk about a monumental moment. God promised that his presence would always be with the children of Israel. During the day it was a, a, a cloud, a pillar of a cloud. During the night it was a pillar of fire. There was always a representation of God's presence. And when Moses decides to go in and to really commune with God, this cloudy pillar, I don't know how big it was, uh, but I, I don't know. I can just use my imagination. A huge pillar descended all, or ascended all the way to the sky, maybe kind of like a tornado. I don't know. That's just me thinking. And just imagine that as Moses entered into the tabernacle, that descending down. And possibly turning into the form of a man to stand at the tent door to speak to Moses face to face. What a monumental moment. Now, and there was a dialogue between Moses and the Lord. Now, let's read Moses' monumental moment. In Exodus 33, beginning at verse 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore, this is Moses talking to God. He said, Now therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me thy way. Can you imagine having the form of a man 
or standing in front of you or, or some sort of theophany of God standing in front of you and you're actually able to speak to a tangible uh, representation of God. Can you imagine how amazing that would be? And so Moses asks, show me now thy way that I may know thee, <laughs> that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, listen, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, well, that's, that's good, God, and I appreciate that. But if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. If you're not going, I don't want to go. We don't want to go if you're not going. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And then it begins to talk about how God said, you can't see my face. I'll, cover, I'll put you in a cleft of the rock. I'll go over and you'll see my back parts. And oh, Can you imagine having this dialogue with the Holy One of Israel? Can you imagine? We pray. We, we pray earnestly. But could you imagine having the opportunity to see a representation, a tangible representation of God to be able to speak to. Moses had a unique relationship with the Lord. This was, on, this was an everyday event. Every day. And, and I know it's every day because if this happened, you better believe Moses is going to take advantage of this every day. Right? 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 Amen. So this was an everyday event. Being able to speak to God face to face as a friend does. What a monumental moment. <laughs> However, there is something that I've never paid attention to. Right in the middle of this conversation, there was another character on the scene. In Exodus 33 and 11, he said, And the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again unto the camp, which means he left the tabernacle to go deliver the message that God had given him to the people. But look, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Every time Moses met to talk to the Lord, Joshua was there. Every time. If he had access one time, you better believe he was there every time. Joshua made sure that when Moses had a monumental moment, he was going to be there. Amen? Even when Moses went back to the camp to deliver God's message to the people, Joshua made himself available just in case God had something else to say. And he was probably hoping God would speak to him. Right in the middle. Imagine being there watching this dialogue take place between your man of God and God himself. A theophany of God. 
and listening to the promises that God gives to your man of God and listening to the, the things that the Lord said, I will do for you. Imagine, imagine just being able to hear that. How amazing would that be? And we know that Joshua is one of the most iconic figures in biblical history and Jewish history. Of course, he led Israel into the promised land after Moses died. He led the children of Israel into the promised land, ensuring victory after victory, possessing as he went. But let's read why Joshua was so successful. Joshua chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass... That the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Now get this in your mind. Picture this in your mind. Your man, Moses is dead. The one that you followed so long is dead. And he's gone on to be with the Lord. And so now it's your responsibility to take care of all of these millions of people. And it's your job to lead them. And so now he gets into a dialogue with God himself. Every place God said that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you as I said unto Moses. Why would he say that? Because Joshua was there to hear him say it to Moses. And so he keeps saying, as I said unto Moses, remember back in the day whenever I descended and I came and stood and talked to Moses face to face? You heard everything that I said. Now let me bring this back to your attention. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. And listen to this. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. All the promises that you heard me speak to Moses, just as I was with him, I promise you, Joshua, I will be with you. Nobody will be able to stand against you. I will give you those exceeding great and precious promises. I can imagine the equivalent for us today of what Joshua was told by God is enter in, thou good and faithful servant. I can imagine those are the sweetest words we'll ever hear. Can I get amen? Enter in, right? These are the sweetest words I believe Joshua could have ever heard. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail nor forsake thee. All of Joshua's being there paid off. It's almost as if God said to him, I will be with you like I was with Moses because you were there with me. Right? Let me repeat that. I will be with you like I was with Moses because every time you were there, I may not have been talking to you, Joshua, I may not have been able to give you these precious promises. You may have just been there overhearing this conversation. But because you were there, because you made yourself available, and because you overheard and because you were able to be there, I will be with you. 
because you were with me. Can you imagine? What a transition. What an amazing transition that was. Amen? Amen. Y'all ready for me to preach now? Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Amen. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 25. Now, let me set the stage for you. Jesus is born. This is Luke's account of his birth. So he's born. And now, Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. It was tradition that eight days after he was born, they would bring him to the temple to be dedicated with offerings. And so this is what they were doing. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And for some reason, all of these years, I've overlooked this. I just read over it. Didn't even pay attention to this. But listen to how beautiful this is. His name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Somebody say, he was there. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. Before the Holy Ghost was even poured out, the Holy Ghost was upon this man. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit. Talking about gifts of the Spirit, right? He came by the Spirit into the temple. He felt led of the Lord, in other words, to go to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, this Simeon, get this in your mind, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou servant depart in peace. According to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Simeon got to be one of the first people other than family to hold our precious Savior in his arms. The one that would eventually stretch out his arms from east to west to be nailed to a cross and reach out and encompass this whole world and bring them into him. He was holding this one in his arms. Can you imagine? Man, I want to shout. Somebody shout. Okay, don't. Can you imagine holding the Savior in your hands? All because he was there. Just as in the case of Moses, there was another character there that day, though. Luke chapter 2, 36 through 38. And there was one Anna, a prophetess. I wish Anna was here tonight. The daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, listen to this, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. 
And she coming to that, and she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. There's only one Anna in the entire Bible, and this is this woman here. Her name is derived from Hannah, which we know the story of Hannah, Samuel's mother. But there's only one person in the Bible named Anna, and this is her. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Now, there's some debate among biblical scholars about some of this, but I kind of believe what I'm about to tell you based upon it's a prevailing thought process between biblical scholars. First, we know that she was a widow. She had experienced loss in her life. Amen? The grief, the pain, the hurt of losing a loved one. Now get this. If we read the word correctly, this woman was possibly 105 years old. She was 105 years old. So she had possibly been there for 84 years. Given herself in temple situations, prayers, fastings. Whenever the doors were open, she was there. Talking about faithfulness. Possibly for 84 years, never missing a day. She was there. Because she was there, she was able to be in the presence of the Savior to give thanks. Like, like one day we will be the presence of our Savior throughout all eternity, giving thanks unto Him. Now, we may live to 105 years old. I don't know. I kind of doubt I will. I like food too much and all the other accoutrements that come with it. I don't know. But however long I have, I want to take this example and I want to give. I want to be like Anna. I want to have that same spirit of Anna, the one that, that gave so much of her life through her hurt, through her disappointment, through her feelings, she gave of herself. Now, somebody, look at your neighbor and say, he's almost done. <laughs> and that is true, I promise you. Now, we talk about, will you be there? Well, where is there? All right? Where is there? The there I am talking about is simply wrapped up in one word, servanthood. Servanthood. Giving all your talent, ability, and availability for the furtherance of of the kingdom of God. Now, I know that we live in such a fast-paced life. They called it years ago the rat race. Well, those people that called it the rat race years ago, I don't know what in the world they would call it today. Probably a cockroach race or something like that. I don't know. I'm telling you, it's crazy out there. We go from here to there, everywhere, and we got to get there quick. We got to get there fast. We got to go. 
We got this customer waiting, or we got our wives waiting, or our husbands waiting on us to come home and cook supper. Or, I don't know, we got a school to go to. We got to get there. We got to be there by 810, whatever. We always have these situations where we have to be somewhere. We are always on the go. Always. And when we're at home, preach to me, preacher. I'm talking to myself. When we're at home, we fill our downtime with things to do. We're always on social media. <coughs> Hang on. Hold on. I'm step on my own toes on that. <coughs> We're always filling our time with something that doesn't really mean anything. It's almost meaningless. Oh, let's see what's going on in so-and-so's life. And they have stumped their toe, and they're now... A one drop of blood has fallen to the ground, and they're on their hands and knees laboriously cleaning as, as the old fable of Cinderella. Who cares? Nobody cares. I'm sick today. Okay. Well, let's pray. I see, sometimes I see these posts of people that say, I'm in the hospital with a migraine. I can't hardly move. Well, what in the world are you doing posting on social media? If I'm sick in the hospital with a migraine, the last thing I'm going to do is get my phone out and let the glare in my face. It's meaningless. I mean, really. Of course, we use it for good things, advertising and things of that nature. There's a good use to it. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to our time, we've got to use our time wisely, right? If I go to my job and I gallivant all day long and I never get anything done, that is the definition of not doing or not using your time wisely, right? We're only given so much time in a day, we've got to use it wisely. And so now, again, my question to you is, will you be there? Will you be available when you need to be? Will you be available when you don't think you need to be? Will you be available when you don't have time to be available? Man, I was expecting a lot of oohs and ahs on that. Yeah. So, will you be there? Huh? Look at somebody and say, will you be there? Will you be there? Hallelujah. And so, will you be there praying? Will you be there fasting? Will you be there being faithful to church? You chose a good night to come to Wednesday night service. Will you be there praising and worshiping God? Will you be there witnessing? Will you be there cleaning the church? Will you be there cutting the grass? You know who cuts the grass around here? Pastor Morrell. 
Will you be paying your tithes? Will you be back in the preaching? Will you be abiding by holiness principles? Will you be reading and studying God's word? Will you be lending a helping hand? Will you be obeying your pastor? Will you be giving your best? Sister Abigail, this is for you. Will you be giving your best in choir and praise team? Will you be paying attention in music practice? Or better yet, will you be coming to music practice? Will you be there? Huh? When Jesus decides to show up in your life, to give you a monumental moment, will you be there? You never know when that moment will happen. We don't know when these moments take place. We are just, sometimes we are just amazed all the time, every time. We're amazed at the blessings of God and how just out of nowhere, we're not expecting it. As a matter of fact, we're expecting the worst end of the situation. But God comes through and he gives you that monumental moment when you least expect it. There's no... Surefire way that God says, hey, September the what is it, 25th, I'm going to give you a monumental moment. That happens maybe sometimes through the gifts of the Spirit. But most of the time, it happens whenever God gets ready to do it. And so, in that case of the unknown, will you be there when he decides to give you that monumental moment? When Jesus decides it's your time to be healed. Will you be there? When it's your time to be set free, will you be there? When it's your time to receive the Holy Ghost, will you be there? When he decides to fix your marriage, will you be there? When he decides to give you that blessing, financial blessing, will you be there? When he decides give you that thing that you've been praying for all these years, will you be there? I guess, come on. Now, the blessings of God, the favor of God, obviously, we're undeserving. And we don't have to necessarily we don't live our lives because in an effort to receive from God, we live our lives to please God, and through our pleasing God, we receive from God. It's, you're doing a great job. You're doing the best you can. Here's a little help. And so, through all of the rat race of life, the cockroach race of life, through all of disappointment and heartache and stress and situations and circumstance and I don't have time to do this, I don't have time to do that, I wish I could go on vacation, I don't have time for that, I don't have the money for that, I don't have, I can't do this and I can't do that. And then whenever we have our downtime moments and we're filling it with stuff that don't even make sense and stuff that don't even matter, those moments 
Will you be there? I've heard it said many times. People who are sick receive their healing by praying for other people who are sick. There's testimonies. It's happened. People who are in a financial burden pray for those who are in financial burden and they get their blessing. It's amazing how God works and how everything is so intertwined and and locked in. So my question to you is, the next time Pastor Morrell says, we're going to have a work day, will you be there? The next time somebody says, I'm struggling, can you help me pray? Will you be there? Next time someone says, I'm a little down on my my luck, as they say, can you spare five dollars? Will you be there? Come on, somebody. Will you be serving the Lord? There's blessings in all of that. There's blessings in serving the Lord. And I wasn't going to say this, but I have, I feel a little bit of an unction. The Bible says, will you throw that last scripture up, sister? But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I have this firm belief and suspicion that if you're not there, then you won't be there. Whenever this transpires, the coming of the Lord, will you be there? There's a lot of distance, we think, between here and there. The Bible says that there's going to be people to come to him on that great day of judgment and say, did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not feed the hungry in your name? Did we not do all these things in your name? He said, depart from me. I never knew you. People just doing this false thing for God. But will you, will you be there? Will you be the one that we can count on to be at church? Will you be the one that we can count on to be praying at an altar? Helping someone pray at an altar. Will you be the one financially supporting the church? Will you be the one cleaning up after a big event around here? Will you be the one 
to take what Pastor Morrell preaches and says, that's great preaching. I'm going to apply that to my life to the best of my ability. Will you be the one to straighten up if he has to get a little tough? Or will you be the one to walk out? Where are you going to be? I've decided, like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Which means, as for me and my house, we're going to be there. We're going to be there. Whatever happens, disappointments, heartaches, do the best of our ability to be there. Are you someone that the church can count on? just say will you be there to be a servant why don't everybody stand to their feet I don't know exactly what you had in mind tonight don't know exactly what you came you thought you were going to hear Ain't going to be here Sunday. He'll tear it up. And we'll shout and dance and do all of that. But for tonight, at this moment, it would be great if you'd come to the altar. But if you don't want to, that's okay. But I do want you respectfully ask and beseech you. Do some personal reflection have you been there have you been the one that people can count on have you been the one that people can count on for help for assistance for prayer I know sometimes it's tough and I know sometimes have a way and I said it the last time I preached just reaching up out of nowhere and slapping you right across the face and really knocking you where you see stars. I know life has a way of doing that. But it's through those times. Think of Anna. Through her hurt, through her disappointment, her situations, she just decided, you know what? To the best of my ability, I'm going to be there. Because there's redemption coming for me. There's someone coming who's going to give me what I need. And when that someone came, when that monumental moment arrived, just think, what if she'd have woke up that day and said, I don't think I'm going to go today. After possibly 84 years, I haven't seen him yet. I haven't seen the redemption promised to Israel. I think I'm going to stay in today. And just by that one decision, miss her monumental moment. Imagine the heartache. And as we reflect, we don't know when those monumental moments will happen. So we always have to be ready. We always have to position ourselves for to be available. And so why don't we just do that for a moment? Why don't we just pray? If you want to come to the altar, if you want to pray right where you are, let's pray that God would help us to be more available for Him.
do appreciate everybody coming to church tonight. So, from now on, when the person leading the service comes up or Pastor Morell's preaching and he says these simple words, we appreciate you being here. That should mean so much more to you now than just filling a void, filling an empty space. Thank you for being here. Thank you for doing what you're doing, for doing the best you can to serve the church and serve the living God and serve the kingdom of God. Thank you. And so, I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to say, 845 and I want you to also look at the other neighbor and say I will not be here past 9 you have 15 minutes to be out <laughs> alright appreciate y'all love y'all thank y'all for being here you're dismissed in Jesus name